this is Social Distance, and welcome to episode 207. Now, the main thing, obviously, in this episode is the inauguration of Joseph Robinette Biden, but also going to be talking about the sausage and the ridiculous news that's uh, emerged tonight that the fucking new variant is 30 to 40 percent more more deathly deadly that's good isn't it christ i told you i bloody told you weeks ago that they were going to say that and in a couple of weeks they'll come out and say oh it's probably a good idea to like wear a better mask and do the you know social distance for three meters and actually do it this time unbelievable anyway we'll talk about that and um after the outro remember that we have got remember remember the lost series three uh, so season three, how can I remember season three? I didn't do very well remembering season two or season one, um, but let's see how I remember season three. It's a bit of a kind of, you know, dementia test for me. <laughs> Man, woman, camera, TV, Sawyer. Sawyer, cool, I can never forget Sawyer. Uh, also, we've got a beautiful sea shanty. The inauguration is slightly, you know, sense of trepidation in the air because of the massive amounts of National Guard and 12 of them were booted off even before the bloody thing began because the FBI thought oh yeah let's take a look at these guys two of them for far-right involvement it seems but two out of 25,000 ain't bad is it I mean you know (laughs) you know what I think about that and oh by the way today marks the um the confirmation of the first black defense secretary in the history of the United States. So let's see, he's got his fucking work cut out, getting all those white supremacists out of the US military, but good luck to you, pal. And uh, so, yeah, this sense of, you know, what's going to go wrong, incredibly nothing went wrong. And it was a fantastic uh, day. We were watching CNN over in Britain. And you know, it's a big day when they open up, when CNN opens up its US coverage to the kind of world audience. Um, So that was good. Wolf Blitzer, oh yeah, lovely. And, um, you know, the night before, I think that that COVID-19 memorial was really good. Um, We'll go on to talk about the speeches and all of that and the poets and all of that. But here are a couple of highlights. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Kamala, Davy Harris do solemnly swear. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will well and faithfully discharge. That I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. The duties of the office upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend 
preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. my great privilege and high honor to be the first person to officially introduce the 46th President of the United States, Joseph R. Biden, Jr. Together, we shall write an American story of hope, not fear, of unity, not division, of light, not darkness, a story of decency and dignity, love and healing, greatness and goodness. May this be the story that guides us, the story that inspires us, and the story that tells ages yet to come that we answered the call of history, we met the moment, Democracy and hope, truth and justice did not die on our watch but thrive. That America secured liberty at home and stood once again as a beacon to the world. That is what we owe our forebears, one another, and generation to follow. So, with purpose and resolve, we turn to those tasks of our time, sustained by faith, driven by conviction, devoted to one another and the country we love with all our hearts. May God bless America, and may God protect our troops. Thank you, America. The day comes we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Amanda Gorman is the poet and activist who stole the show in many ways, a 22-year-old, uh, the first youth poet laureate in the States, and she plans to run herself um, for president in uh, 2036, so that'll make her, what, 38 years old, yeah? Um, so let's see, she's obviously a huge star, and her books that aren't even published until September uh, top of the um, Amazon, you know, book list. So that's excellent. Really good for her, and um, good for all of us because you know she's an extremely um, talented person. And I thought that Biden's uh, speech was pretty good. I mean, you're calling for unity, so you can't go wrong. I do think that it was quite. It was excellent that he called out 
white supremacy, but I do think that they are kind of playing politics a little bit in terms of sticking on the fence as to whether Biden uh, wants Trump to be impeached by the Senate and then and therefore can't run again. And uh, the press secretary was asked this today, uh, and she said, oh, well, that's up to the Senate. And you think, oh, come on, like, it's obvious that he wants Trump to be impeached. Do you know what I mean? Like, just come out and say it. Like, you can't go all full throttle. And then on this massive question that you're obviously going to be questioned about all the time, say that's up to the Senate. Like, what is Biden's opinion? Probably is all well worked out and thought through and may well in the long run or kind of in a couple of weeks time, everyone will think, oh, well, it was worth them kind of holding their uh, cards close to their chest because Trump was impeached. But, you know, me, I mean, it's quite difficult for me to hold my cards close to my chest. I would be full throttle out there, anti-Trump all the way. I mean, Christ, you've won the presidency, you've won the bloody this, that, you've won it all, you know. And it doesn't seem to me a bad idea to just go full throttle Trump broke the law, he did something which was absolutely abysmal in every way, and we've got to, you know, throw the book at him. Throw the book at him. Uh, but, yeah, we have to... So all of those, like, you know, political machinations are for another day, in a way, because we have to uh, take a pause and notice the historic brilliance of the inauguration, especially when it comes to Kamala Harris. It is quite a thing to think that the vice president is a woman of West Indian and uh, Indian heritage, South Asian, as they call it in the States. Uh, but her mother was born in India. Her father was born in uh, the Caribbean. And uh, here she is, you know, heartbeat away from the presidency. And it's a heart in uh, in an old man, like, a, you know, the oldest president ever. A very good beginning to the presidency, you know, throwing out the Keystone Pipeline, which has been brewing for bloody ages, like years and years, at least a decade in the background. So throw that out. So, you know, fuck you, Trudeau. What are you going to do now, Trudeau? Hey! And, uh, you know, joining Paris and lots of good uh, moves on immigration, lots of good moves on the budget, including a big check to everyone, which keeps UBI, the idea of UBI, in the, in the headlines. And, uh, yeah, lots and lots of really good things. Right from the very beginning, an actual plan for COVID-19. We don't have a plan in Britain at all. Yeah, it's really good start. And congratulations, President Biden. Her choice asks if you could choose the final scene in the film of Trump's life, what would that scene be? Which is a very good question. Per choice, per porches, daughters, porches, porches, porches. Very good question, porches. Um, well, let's think about this. Now, it's tempting to say, you know, something like scanners or a Cronenberg special 
you know, a kind of head-exploding scene, get all violent. But I think there's something quite tempting about, well, basically, it's not bad. He's ridiculous have a good life sign off, you know, and we'll be back somehow, don't know how. I thought that speech, by the way, I'm not going to spend a lot of time speaking about that fucking idiot, but that speech I thought it would be a lot more grift heavy, you know, and I am surprised and disappointed about the few people that are speaking about Trump um, through the lens of him being a grifter, because as I've been saying for a long time, We need to remember that beyond everything, you know, beyond all of his, you know, disgusting policies and politics and views. The main thing about Trump is that he is a con artist. He is a a grifter. And uh, John Bolton, who's a, you know, fucking arsehole. And Chris uh, Krebs. Is that his name? Chris Krebs? The buyer, the, um security guy, the cyber security guy who was sacked by Trump. Only those guys are describing him as a grifter and a con artist who are interested in the long con. And it's amazing that not everyone, uh, you know, it's the first thing to say about Trump. Yep. Because he's managed to, you know, con millions of people, massively detrimental to these people's kind of health and well-being and also to like the country of America and the entire world. So I thought that his final little send-off speech, his fucking bullshit thing at the airport, was, um, was oh, it's called the Joint Andrews Base. That was always the, the Air Force, uh, the, the Andrews Air Base. Now it's called the Joint Andrews Base, which is an incredibly clunky formulation of words, you know? Is that where they fucking make the joints or something? Hey, for Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> My best friend at school was called Andrew, and I'm, I don't know where he is or what he's doing, and I really want to track him down. So listen, Andrew, if you know Andrew, if I'm not going to go in, into it, like here, this is not the time to talk about Andrew. But if you know Andrew, get Andrew to bloody contact me, for Christ's sake. Social distance of podcast at gmail.com. Right, anyway, um, yeah, Trump. So I thought it was going to be really, like, grift-heavy, you know? Like, oh, you know, we're gonna, we got something fucking beautiful that you go, just, you know, watch this space type thing. But he just said, we'll be back in some form, which was rather elusive. I mean, you can't get more elusive than that. He couldn't even uh, choose the form that he's going to come back in. <laughs> I guess he is the devil. Anyway, Porteous, um... I think it's not a bad ending the way that it ends because it's like the ending to uh, Goodfellas. He's always going to be looking over his shoulder. He doesn't know what's going to come next. And it probably isn't going to be Joe Pesci, you know, but it is going to be at some point. I mean, it's only a matter of time now when, you know, is it going to be Deutsche Bank? Is it going to be the uh, DA at uh, in, uh, Washington, D.C.? Is it going to be the DA at uh, in New York? Is it going to be the federal government somehow? Is it going to be the FBI? Somebody at some point is going to catch up with him. It's going to be really interesting. And there's quite a lot of, because, you know, he jumped the shark in such a kind of tragic and unbelievable and historically criminal way on the 6th of January, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be after him. Whether he gets impeached or not, that's another thing, because really the only consequence of that, apart from the kind of, you know, shame of it, is is that he can't run again. But I really don't think he's going to run again. And the Republican Party have got a big problem on their hands. Oh, so now, just as I'm doing this, I get another email from Poor Choice. Uh, sorry, Poor Choice. This is good, isn't it? Look, it's just pinged up. In any film of Trump's life, what alternative endings would exist to make it more satisfying? Okay, so that's slightly uh, different. Um, well, it, immediately I think of the, um, the end of that Monty Python film, The Holy Grail, where the police come in and disrupt everything. Remember that? that was, I think that was like a budgetary thing where they thought, how the hell are we going to end this film? And also that's a bit like the um, uh, the Beatles documentary, Let It Be, where the same thing happens, but um, obviously not quite, because I think the cops just watch, do they? Cool, imagine getting that call. Oh, is that like a legit thing, that they actually got the call? Because in the documentary, they all turn up, don't they? The not all of the police officers turn up in London the fucking racist cops from 1970s London, early 70s London. And, uh, but luckily, none of the Beatles were black, so none of them died on that roof. And I don't even think they got, nothing happened. They just, like, watched the, anyway. And also, what else? A good, um, I mean, it's a bit like, a, the, the, the best one definitely is, uh, you know, him always constantly looking over his shoulder uh, I think like this is you, you want him to be chilled and on edge, you know, not comfortable. This is a man that's always been comfortable. Well, you know, uh, materially comfortable at least. But anyway, I did receive another email as well from the Isle of Skye, which is up in North Scotland. I don't know who this person is at all, but sent me an incredible uh, message. Now you can hear the bed of music behind me. Now, beautiful. And, oh, what does that remind you of? Well, it reminds me, I've got this very strange email from this this guy. I don't know if he is a sailor or a fisherman or if he has any connection to the oceans, but he's definitely into the sea shanty phenomena. That He's insisting that there's a big phenomena. He said it's all over the news. <laughs> Which has passed me by, but anyway, um, he's made a new song. He sent it to me, and he's made a new song. It's quite good, so I'm going to... It's very good, actually. It's really quite remarkably good. And the thing I really like about it is if you listen closely, he's in the quality of his voice, you can hear that he is subverting the genre, yeah? It's a kind of satire on the sea shanty phenomenon, which is taken over all of our lives. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it is also quite a good, you know, piss take of a sea shanty. It's not a real sea shanty. And here it is. There once was a podcaster called Pete and he did his show seven days a week. And then one day he said, fuck this, there's more to life than a health crisis. Soon then he changed his mind, said three days a week will do just fine. We'll make it up as we go along, no way, no one will know. 
notice it was three days a week for a while you see and that was fine for you and me but Pete wasn't sure there was enough to say and between you and me he's kind of funny that way soon then he changed his mind said one day a week we'll do just fine this COVID thing is all in hand we know which way it's going It emerged today that, lo and behold, the UK variant is more deadly than the other variants. Sausage Johnson told the world this, to no surprise, really. I mean, if you get it more, you know, more dosage, and if it transmits more, then why on earth wouldn't it make you sicker? And why on earth wouldn't it kill more people? It seemed, you know, obvious to me. I'm sure I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. And also, just a, you know, another little prediction, in a couple of weeks' time, they'll really clamp down on the, oh no, actually, you do need to social distance, uh, keep three metres apart, and wear a good mask. It does actually matter, the quality of the mask. France has come in saying you've got to wear good quality masks, and I'm sure that the UK will be, you know, a couple of weeks behind. So even though they said that the new variant is... Uh, 30 to 40 percent worse and that's the headline in all of the papers yet to buy in terms of you know 30 percent 30 to 40 percent more likely that it's going to kill you for christ's sake um you know there's the, no more restrictions well, that's good isn't it and journalist after journalist is asking well hold on a minute like it's not as bad as the last time in terms of restrictions. It's not as tight, as good as I would say it, as tight as last time, you know? Any old fucking how's your father is going into the school. The schools are like, you know, massively more busy, five times busier, the schools, than last time. And so, you know, what the fuck is going on, pal? You've just told us that, you know, there's 30 to 40% uh, more deadly than the one that we've got a big problem with anyway, you know? So, no answers, of course. It's just so utterly predictable and disgusting. And Biden, you know, day one in the job, proper day one, you know, inauguration day is the kind of celebration um, day. Uh, so, day one in the job, there you go, there's your COVID-19 plan, America. And uh, they're on track to do a hundred million vaccines in the first hundred days let's see if that happens it's incredibly ambitious but let's see what if that happens we're on track to get uh, the first here the first um groups first four groups all done by the middle of february that may well happen they did four hundred thousand people in one day uh, yesterday i think it was so that's not bad you know not bad at all 400,000 uh, a day is getting close to 2 million a week so you know we'll see I'm kind of waiting for my phone call I haven't had it yet but we'll see I don't think I'm that far behind uh, in terms of you know I do expect to get it before mid-February so we'll see when that actually happens but again you know we've just got this terrible uh, leadership and it's absolute failure of a government in every regard. You know, even the basic thing that Independent Sage has been asking for for months and months, whereby you actually give people a kind of financial incentive to, like, you know, self-isolate if they've got the fucking COVID-19. That's now being spun as, 
oh no but then people will actually go out of their way to get it in order to get 500 pounds i mean how fucking insane it's unbelievable like people are not reporting to getting the they're not uh, getting the test because they don't want to be seen as breaking the law so they're going to work with covid19 they can't afford not to and they also don't want to be in the position of uh, breaking the law and obviously the government's whole focus is oh yeah everyone's having raves with like more than 15 people they're using this tiny proportion of people that are breaking the rules as an excuse for not doing enough like across the board and there is so much more that they could do and a few days ago i thought that witty or someone had had a word with the fucking sausage but now i realize like they're all just a bunch of well i mean i realized that a while ago but it kind of reconfirmed to me this sense that they're all just a bunch of fucking clueless dolts clueless dolts they are you know and it's just unbelievable and again then we have these two tracks of the government's advice as you know much as it is as far as it goes and then your own sense of responsibility in terms of you know keeping yourself safe keeping the people that you love safe and doing the basics and like i was saying last week don't let no bastard breathe on you that's basically what it comes down to don't let no bastard breathe on you that should be in the posters so um one interesting thing that biden said he as a way of uh, talking about how you know it's kind of like a wildfire uh, crossing the states and is very very bad in the states covid-19 like many 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 deaths and many 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 cases many 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 he said we've got 5% of the population but 20% of the covid-19 deaths and i thought well what is the uh, uk equivalent to that and nobody's done this as far as i know like i've never seen this reported before right so here's the fucking exclusive pal <laughs> right the uk has is 0.87% of the global population okay just under 1% of the global population we've got just over 100,000 people dead from covid-19 in the uk and it's just over uh, 2 million people dead overall across the world okay so that's 5% so we are um 5% of the uh of the deaths the global deaths but our population is under 1% so comparatively we are in a worse position than the united states on that metric the metric that biden uses to uh kind of say how bad it is in the states well it is bad in the states but fucking you ain't seen nothing yet pal you should come here we're the worst uh hits country in the world and you know whenever anyone there's not many journalists who have the fucking balls to actually like say to the ministers well what about this then you're all into your international comparisons when it comes to the fucking vaccine rollout and congratulations it isn't a fuck up i mean i did say last week you know it's not nothing and it isn't nothing and it's great like well done but you know what i mean like people are dying like thousands of people are dying every single week day after day after day thousands of people are dying yeah well over a thousand people 
a day. And we have the worst death rate per population in the world. And the ministers, of course, are saying, oh no, it's too early. Fucking too early? Christ almighty. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm not impressed. I've just come down from the Isle of Skye. I'm not very big and I'm awfully shy. And the lassies shout when I go by. Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low. Through the streets in my kilt I'll go. All the lassies say, Hello, Donald, where's your trousers? A lassie took me to a ball And it was slippery in the hall And I was feared that I would fall For a hadney on me trousers Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kilt I'll go All the lassies say Hello, Donald, where's your trousers? Now I went down to London town And had some fun in the underground The ladies turned their heads around Saying, Donald, where are your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kilt I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kilt I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low Through the streets in my kilt I'll go All the lassies say hello Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low there is episode 207 hope you enjoyed it thank you ever so much for listening and welcome to uh, mexico and india two new countries beeped up on the machine beep, beep. <laughs> and 25 of the 50 states so congratulations if you're listening ah oh, bloody unbelievable right now what we're going to listen to now oh yeah me say let's think of a rabbit uh rabbit we haven't done rabbit yet right one two three walk between the raindrops and there is one listener i don't know who it is but apparently one listener is listening to the entire back catalogue episode by episode and i hear they've set up their own podcast reflecting on this podcast it's called reflecting social distance anyway have a lovely weekend next show's next friday take care yourselves bye
So welcome to Lost, Remembering Lost. Uh, can I remember Lost? But there are spoilers here. We're looking at Season 3. So Season 2 ends with um, turning the key on on the hatch. What happens? Well, Desmond um, has a good one, right? Something really interesting happens to Desmond. He basically kind of flicks back in time to about, I don't know, like 10 years before or so, where he's living in London with his girlfriend, Penny. Uh, Penny is going to be a big character um, throughout all of the other seasons of Lost, and she uh, kind of appears. She, we've seen her in a photo that Desmond has in a book that, of his, but we now see her like for real as it were in this it's not a flashback though it's that Desmond's consciousness has left the uh, island in 2004 I think it's 2004 then and um, and it's gone back around about 10 years I think uh, to when he was with Penny and he keeps having these memories of the um, you know his time on the island like things remind him like at one point he looks at the clock and it says um, eight minutes past one and he thinks oh 108 well that reminds me of 108 yeah uh, you get the gist so but it's quite good that you know and we see Eloise Hawkins who's a character that pops up at the end who's this mysterious old lady but basically we establish that uh, for whatever reason um, Desmond now has got this ability to flip back in time uh, at least his consciousness does. His body is still like just like conked out on the island after the um, the hatch imploded. Now uh, we've got our friend uh, Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo gets attacked by a polar bear, and then he uh, says, "Oh, I've got to go see my um, brother in the plane." So he goes to the brother in the plane, and the <coughs> the smoke monster. Uh, attacks him and kills him. So, spoiler alert there. And it's a real shame. And the reason why, this happens quite uh, soon in um, season three. The reason why that happened is because the actor just didn't like um, fucking Hawaii, like living in Hawaii, which is like everyone else's dream. But for some reason, that dude didn't like living there. So, he wanted to be written out, and the um, you know writers wrote him out. Now, during this time, there was a bit of a, like season three from a Lost fan point of view, I gather, is um, like the kind of season that nobody really likes. And it is flabby, there's no doubt about it. Jack and Sawyer and, um, uh, what's her name, Kate, they're put in cages for ages, like, like week after week after week. Bloody Sawyer and Kate are in these stupid cages. And Jack is like under lock and key in this aquarium with the others. And it just like is turgid, like nothing really happens. It's just a waste of time. And behind the scenes, what was going on was this kind of power, um, uh, like a struggle between the writers and the producers uh, on one hand and ABC, the studio that was making it, the you know TV studio, um, who weren't really committing to an end date and the writer, the creators were saying listen we've got this story all laid out in our heads apparently 
like <laughs> in our heads um but we need you to commit to it because we can't just do like a kind of you know episode of the week show okay we need to kind of we've got an arc and we want to get on with the arc and apparently their kind of complaint was with abc but there's some very rubbish basically rubbish episodes in season three and re-watching it you do a lot of forwarding basically yeah uh, having said that some interesting things do happen in season three including echo's death including um, Naomi, who appears on the island, jumps out of a helicopter, apparently, and she appears on the island, and she says that she's been sent there by Penny Widmore, who's uh, Desmond's um, ex-girlfriend, who's who's the, uh, or, you know, girlfriend, but not, you know, but yeah, not on the island, girlfriend, long-distance girlfriend. And she is the daughter of a very rich man who's played by Alan Dale. You know Alan Dale from Neighbours, who's also in like loads of other things, the Marvel movies and uh, Indiana Jones, he pops up everywhere, bloody Alan Dale. And this is Alan Dale's, one of Alan Dale's uh, most famous and best roles, and he's really good in it. He plays this guy called Charles Widmore, who's a bit of a baddie, and he goes up against Ben uh, from the others, who's like... So Ben is the leader of the others, and Ben is the guy that was um, Henry Gale. Yep, so he's kind of revealed to be Ben. And Ben, though, he works for this other guy, the kind of the real leader, who's this very mysterious, uh, kind of almost like a paranormal force uh, called Jacob. And nobody can see Jacob apart from Ben. Ben's the only one that's allowed to meet Jacob. But because Jack, um, not Jack, uh, John Locke has got this incredible uh, kind of symbiotic relationship with the island, um, Ben takes Locke to see Jacob in this kind of thing that like, seem, seems to be a bit of a stunt that, that Ben is doing in this kind of creaky old like, hut in the middle of nowhere. But then Jacob says, help me, to Ben, uh, sorry, to uh, uh, John, as John is turning around to leave. Um, so there's a bit, something a bit weird in there. And then this, everything starts shaking. And then we see a glimpse of somebody in this chair. And nobody was in the chair beforehand, although Ben was pretending to talk to someone in the chair. So maybe ben, um, Jacob was in the chair all along. Who knows? Well, we know because we've seen the whole bloody thing. Well, at least I have, so I know. <laughs> and then uh, what else happens? So Naomi's on the island. Naomi says that there's a freighter, a big, you know, freighter, um, about a mile or whatever, um, away from the island. And if they can get her satellite phone to work, they can call uh, the freighter over and then everyone will be rescued. But there's an underwater base that is blocking the satellite phone. So Charlie has been told by Desmond, who's got these kind of, he's now got this premonition thing going on, Desmond, as well. Uh, You're going to die, Charlie. You're going to die, Charlie. Charlie is told by Desmond that he's going to die. And Charlie takes it upon himself after a couple of adventures of near-death adventures. He takes upon himself to swim down to this underwater base 
and press the button and clear the like you know the kind of communication so they can phone the freighter and all get rescued okay and there's some there's a b story of this bullshit thing about uh pregnant women dying which is really dull and quite a lot of the uh the season is devoted to this story that just goes nowhere it's got nothing to do with anything and it's actually described by this guy called Richard who's one of the big dudes in the others camp it's described as a like trivial you know (laughs) and I think all of the viewers thought yeah it doesn't really kind of key into the magic of the island you know this thing that pregnant women die on the island Um, but they talk about that a little bit Oh, by the way, with with Richard, we do find out a little bit more about the Dharma Initiative and that Ben was brought up with the Dharma Initiative and he basically instigated this purge whereby the others, so the kind of original, um, like, you know, kind of guys that have been on the island for years and years and years and years and years, and the Dharma Initiative were a bunch of 70s hippies, basically, that came over or, you know, kind of progressive... Um, scientist types that came over and tried to exploit the uh, magical properties of the island but they got in a bit of a kind of conflab with the with the others and Ben um, betrayed all of his Dharma uh, friends and family and murdered them all basically like Ben is kind of revealed to be this mass murderer which is slightly bizarre and chilling and horrific and doesn't really kind of follow you know, so it's very, very clunky this season for lots of reasons. It's very clunky. But anyway, Charlie, one of the great bits of the whole of Lost is... I'm going to describe this to you now. Charlie's in the underwater base. He's, there's a bit of, you know, bullshit that they have to go through, obviously, because it's a show, you know. But he, eventually he gets to the room where the big button is. He presses the big button and then it says incoming communication on this TV screen. And Penny is there. And Penny says, can you hear me? And Penny's like, seems to be in an office or whatever. And, um, and Charlie says, yeah, ah, I'm a survivor from Flight 815. Flight 815? Um, do you know Des... Are you? And she says, my name's Penny. She says, Penny, Penny, I've got Desmond here. Because like, Desmond's always going on about Penny all the time. Um, and anyway, what happens is that Baddie is outside with a bloody grenade, wouldn't you believe it? And he explodes the grenade in the underwater base uh, at the window and all of this water starts flooding in. Now, when you re-watch this, you can see that Charlie has got loads and loads of time just to get out and close the door behind him and seal the door open, uh, so seal the door closed and then basically survive but for some reason he doesn't do this and probably the reason is that it makes great tv that he doesn't so what he does do is thinking oh i'm gonna make great tv here he he closes the door away from desmond like saving desmond's life but also um desmond is trying to like work out what's going on with penny look penny's on the fucking tv um, monitor that's amazing isn't it but he gets the door slammed in his face water's rushing into the room uh old um charlie is thinking oh christ like how am i going because penny says this is a crucial bit i've totally forgotten to say penny says 
I don't know Naomi. It's nothing to do with me. That's not my boat. Oh my God, if it's not Penny's boat, then whose boat is it, for Christ's sake? Naomi was lying all this time. And by the way, as a little kind of offshoot, um, uh, John Locke is trying to be, uh, has been saying to people, don't trust Naomi. She's lying. It's not her boat. If, the, if you manage to get in contact with the freighter, we are all going to die. So it looks like John might have been right about that. Yeah, very exciting. So in the room that's flooding, Ch- Charlie gets a like, pen out of somewhere. I don't know where. And he starts writing on his hand, not Penny's boat. And he presses his hand up against the glass. And Desmond looks at that and he reads, not Penny's boat. Oh, right, I got the fucking message, pal. And then Charlie (laughs) drowns and he floats off. And that's the end of Charlie. Beautiful television. And then uh, they managed to phone up the the thing. The, uh, what's the word? Like the boat. And so that's how the kind of season ends on uh, on the island. Now, also, there is a, uh, a kind of alternative story what we're thinking is a flashback uh, uh following um uh jack this is the kind of season finale flashback and jack is in a right state he's like pissed all the time he's got a massive beard which is like hollywood's sign that someone's nuts basically if a man grows a beard you know and he's like all over the fucking place and it turns out that he is off the island. He meets up with um, Kate and he says to Kate, we were wrong to leave. We've got to go back. We have to go back to the island. So what we thought was a flashback from earlier on in uh, Jack's life is actually a flash forward. And we know that at least Jack and Kate have somehow got off the island so that is season three probably the worst season but season four gets better a lot better actually season four we got uh, this beautiful dude called Kimi I think that's his name this fucking crazy marine and also we've got um, uh, Faraday Daniel Faraday the best lost character that ever has been so that's season four thanks very much for listening take care Thank you.